0: So from Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read the first uh, half of Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So I'm going to start um, this morning uh, by reading you my horoscopes for the week. Uh, so uh, this week's horoscope for me, Libra, I was born in October, um, as you know, um, Says this, uncertainties about your personal life personal life are probable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can make favorable real estate offers this week. Sit back and observe, regardless of how hard that might be. Use your intellectual approach to get the best result. Your lucky day this week will be Wednesday. So here's my horoscope for Wednesday. Who's feeling uh, comfortable with this so far? This is really, this is interesting, this one. Your emotions are soaring. Libra, and you should feel free to indulge in your greatest fantasies. Take a break from reality for a while. Let your inner child play. You should enjoy a greater self-confidence that you can use effectively to influence other people. Beware of anyone who asks you to make a solid commitment today. They may not exactly have your well-being in mind. Now imagine if I carried on, if I would started the service by saying let's do a tarot reading or, or maybe let's do a Ouija board, you might be thinking what was he doing on his sabbatical and uh, why is he reading horoscopes um, what on earth is he up to? And you'd be probably um, writing to the elders even now on your phones and, and texting them and saying Keith, Cherry, uh, Daniel, we need to get a new pastor, I'm good We're in the Baptist Union. We can actually look a lot easier nowadays and just go on their notice board and find one. Um, I have to say, I did want some props with this. I asked Emma if she had a, a crystal ball and she let me down. She does not have a crystal ball. She does not have tarot cards in her loft. This is the first time I've gone to Emma and asked her for props and she has not been able to provide for me. So you can say, well done, Emma. Yeah. And by the way, here's a little disclaimer. We do not promote New Age practices in this church, and we do not uh, believe in these things, that we should be actively um, looking into other spiritualities and and sort of finding uh, things in them. So um, I read these horoscopes slightly tongue-in-cheek. okay? Um, But there is a point to this. You may be thinking, phew, let's get to the point. Um, Because if you read Matthew's Gospel... Chapter 1 starts in a very, very, very Jewish way, almost tediously Jewish way, in that, if you know Matthew's Gospel, it starts, it's the greatest way to start one of the greatest books, the New Testament, okay? We have just translated it into Persian, like we were talking about, and um, uh, it starts with a Jewish genealogy. Who loves a good genealogy? Yeah? Okay, so it's name after name after name. Abraham's son was this and this and this and carries on. I mean, and it's very important in the story. It's very important in the Old Testament to have these things grounded in in Jewish reality, if you like. It's just a a very important thing. And then the next bit after that in Matthew chapter 1, it talks about Joseph, Mary's husband, having a dream. And again, that's very Jewish because it kind of echoes another Joseph who had a dream. And, and it's just, you, you, you're, if you're Jewish, you're thinking, I'm loving this. You know, this is Jewish heaven. And then we're introduced to these people called the Magi, who are wise men, or the three kings from Orientara. as sometimes we sing about. And this, if I'm honest, is really, really strange. Because these guys are astrologers. They're Eastern mystics from a foreign land. And they do horoscopes, Basically. They find messages in the sky. These are not Jews and they're not even vaguely related to Jews in what they do or practice or anything. This is not what you might expect in orthodox biblical writing. In fact, Matthew is a very Jewish gospel and yet he sticks this very un-Jewish thing in the beginning. So you've got the, the... as you might expect, the genealogies and, oh yes, we all trace this back to Abraham and Father Abraham, whew, yeah, good. But then he also mentions sort of the great grandfathers of Mystic Meg. And it's kind of, wow. It's quite unsettling to my evangelical Protestant sort of upbringing. And, you know, because we don't give voice to people with New Age philosophies in the church. They, we recognize that they're um, opposed to, to God in many ways. Um, we don't really pay any attention to what other spiritualities have to say. We hold on to the truth of the Word of God and, and, and that's that. And if someone just were to stand up in church and start talking about the stars aligning and planets coming into alignment and this is the message I've got for them, we'd probably ask them kindly to sit down and maybe be quiet, you know? Hopefully we would. But here in the second chapter of the New Testament we come across wise men who the Bible celebrates... And who we sing about and retell their story every year and not really think about it. We three kings of Ori and we, And who have this system of belief where they look at the stars and find meaning and direction for their lives through astrology. And I think that's pretty strange, but the Bible seems to be okay with it. Jesus is unsettling, even before he's born. Or even just after he's born. And it raises all kinds of questions for me, if I'm honest. Because I'm thinking now, is astrology a real... Because up until now, I just think, astrology, that's just bomb. The idea that because the sun rises here, or the planets are here, or the stars are here, that would inf- influence my, my Wednesday being my lucky day this week, is just nuts. Okay? I mean, that's always been nuts to me. But then I read this, and I'm starting to think, well, is astrology in some way a real thing? Did God use what the Magi believed uh, even though astrology wasn't a real thing, he kind of like tapped into their thinking and then made it a real thing, or was it, is it a real thing in, in reality? Does God bring things into alignment and then people see messages in the sky? Because I know God made the stars, right? Yeah, and he controls them, but is he speaking to us through them? Is he guiding us through them? Is he influencing us? I've never thought that those things were true, and yet these wise men followed a star to find Jesus. And the other thing I was thinking is, how did they know that this star was connected to the birth of the king of the Jews? How did they know that? I mean maybe they were into their astrology maybe they were getting some kind of sort of revelation in some way but how did I mean how do you find that stuff out? How would they know they would have seen the star? fine you know we see you know people look at the stars and they see things happen but how would they have gone oh okay, that means that there's a king born in Jerusalem in, 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 the king of the Jews, and we have to go and find him. How did they know that? Or, were these magi the kind of people that made a habit out of following stars around the world, thinking, oh, there's a king over there, we'll go and visit him, and and then just after this, they were back off to uh, the king of England, maybe. They found a star there, and they would go and journey that way. I don't know, maybe they were just kind of like, sort of, travel junkies who just got off from kind of like, there's a, you know, we'll go here, we'll go there. Maybe they've discovered America first. I don't know. I'm being, we all look at these, we believe this stuff. I don't know. I don't know how they found their, 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 their truth, if you like. And the thing is, though, whilst their, their methodology may unsettle us, the thing is that it got them to Jesus, and I think that's maybe the difference for them: is that rather than the stars being the the thing, the be-all and end-all, if you like, because some people get into their thing, don't they? And so, the, the, their, whether it's the the, the stars or the, the, the horoscope, and that becomes their <coughs> their idol, if you like, it's the thing that they they hold on to. These things pointed to Jesus, and they were seeking him and they went to find him. So somehow, and I do not know how, they had got revelation and they got knowledge that Jesus had been born, that he was special, and he was worthy of worship. And at the end of the day, however people come to that revelation, and again, I've come back to this thing that Keith read in the magazine last week. You need to open it up so we can read it ourselves and get the page out. Um, You know, there are people today who have encounters with Jesus, who have never read the Bible, who have never heard anything about anything that we would know to be Christianity or even Judaism and they somehow meet Jesus. And I wonder whether somehow that's what happened. I don't know. But they knew he was born, they knew he was special, and they knew he was worthy of worship. So they went to go and find him. And this spiritual insight, which is incredible when you think about it, that they would travel quite some distance from, from somewhere in the east, they would travel all the way to, to Israel and follow this star and go and take the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and which I'm guessing, you know, they didn't have Group 4 security in those days. I mean, that's a risky business, to be carrying sort of a bit of gold in your backpack with um, travel as it was in those days. They went all that way, and they had that spiritual insight, but they made one little mistake... They didn't follow the star. They got and they thought, well, king of the Jews, we've got as far as um, Israel, we'll go to Jerusalem because that's where the king lives. And they assume the king of the Jews was born in Jerusalem. So they go, and here's, here's the thing, they go and ask the king of the Jews, Herod, where's the one born king of the Jews? And we read, Herod was quite troubled by this and all Jerusalem with him. Well, you can understand why, because when people come to you and say, well, you're the king, but where's the king? Kind of thing. You, hmm. Bit like the conservatives having their leadership struggles, you know, it's going to Theresa May. Well, you're the prime minister, but where's the prime minister? Kind of thing, and we're probably all wondering that at the moment. And it's, anyway, it, it's unsettling for, for Herod. But Herod somehow realizes they must be talking about the Messiah, and he finds that a real threat. You know what i He finds it a real threat. And I think anyone who puts themselves in the place of importance of where Jesus should be they should find people saying, where's the real king? Slightly un, un, unsettling, slightly threatening to them. So Herod, and he's got his own motives, and we could go into that, but not for now. He, he asks his Bible experts, and they say, well, the king should be born in Bethlehem. And so off the major, I go, and they f- carry on following the star, which you wonder why they didn't do that in the first place, but anyway, they do. And, and the star carries on guiding them. And... They are excited about this star, but they're excited because it brings them to Jesus. Again, that's the thing. They're not excited about this. I mean, if, if I was actually, <laughs> I have to be honest, because uh, I used to love astronomy. I know some of us here are into that kind of stars and that kind of thing. I know Daniel E likes a good bit of stars, in that. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I get excited by things like Mars rovers and that kind of stuff, you know. I'm sure. And and if I was able to sort of say, "Oh, there's a star," and it's actually follow, and I'm following it, it sort of. Coming over Adelsa or something, you know. I mean, remember when Halley's Comet was? Do you remember that? I remember mean, that was probably the '90s, was it? I can remember I was in doing a gig in France and we were travelling back. as a clear night, and we were driving along in the van, and it was almost like I could. It was almost like we were following the star. We were going home, and and it was there, and it was like it was still there, and it kept going, and it was this is exciting stuff. I love that kind of thing. And so, if I was somebody who thought, "Wow, I found a star," I'd be like, I'd be kind of watching the star. Oh, there's a baby. Oh, yeah, never mind. This, this is, um, babies happen every day. There's a star. But these guys, they knew what they were about. And the star stops over the place where Jesus was. Now, how does that happen? Because actually, Halley's Comet carried on traveling and stars keep on moving. I mean, it's... I don't know. And rather than focus on the star, then they realize they're here. They enter the house where the child was. They see the child with his mother. And what do they do? They then go, oh. Look at that, Oh, the manger, and some shepherds in dressing gowns, like we saw last week. And oh no, they fall down and they worship. They bow down and they worship. They ground to the fore, their 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 heads uh, to the fore, uh, forehead to the ground. The the words in the in the the Greek speak of this. You know, you might have seen on on TV when Muslims have their Friday prayers, you know, and they all bow down and they touch the ground with their forehead. That's what the words here are talking about, that kind of action that happens when they get into this place. They humble themselves, they put themselves lower than the baby. They're bizarre, really, when you think about it. You know, the baby, who to everybody else, maybe apart from Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, but to everybody else, is just a baby, really. They come and they bow down to him. This is an act of worship, this is an act of reverence, it's physical, it's dramatic. And it's not, they're not just talking about it, or singing about it. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but we often sing, we bow down and we're all standing up, or we bow down and we've got our hands in the air, you know, uh, or something, but I don't know how many of us actually bow down. But these guys, they come and they encounter Jesus in his presence, and they literally bow down. And it seems almost like to be a spontaneous, involuntary action, like what else could they do when, when they meet you? You, know, you? know, Some of us might think about it, some of us might think, well, shall I worship now? What shall I do? What's the most appropriate thing? You know, I mean, it's like if you met the Queen, you, know, you start to think, well, what's the protocol here? What do I do? <laughs> and, and there's certain things you do and don't say to the Queen, aren't there, apparently, but if you don't know those things, you might just go, oh, hello, how do you do? And... Ah, Please to meet you or whatever, but these guys, they seem to know that what was the most appropriate thing, in fact, the only thing they could do, in fact, what they, almost like a knee-jerk reaction had to happen was they had to worship and bow down. So they really must have known this baby was special. I mean, they knew in advance, because they said to Herod, we've come to worship the king, the one born, well, the born the king of the Jews because we don't tend to bow down and worship any old baby, do we? So, they came to worship, and I'm still wondering, how did they know that? How did they know that? And their worship is complete and total. It's pre-planned. They knew they were coming to worship the king. They were following the star, but they were following the star so they could worship the king. And it's also pre-prepared. They brought some gifts. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. I mean, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I go and see somebody, if you go around for dinner and you think, oh, I need to maybe you should take some chocolates or flowers. I usually buy them from Tesco's, on the nearest Tesco's to where that person you know, lives, so that kind of thing. I'm sure we've all done that. You know. The, the pre-planning is in my mind, but it usually gets to the last minute, just as you turn up and think, oh, should take... Them. But not, not for these guys. They brought gifts from their homeland, and they had pre-prepared this, because they knew they were coming to worship, and they knew they were coming to bring their, their, their gifts, which were costly and, and meaningful. And it challenges me, because I'm wondering, is this how we worship? And how often do we fall down and, and worship before our king? L- literally bow down to the floor. Um, as I've said, but, you know, Muslims do. That's part of their Friday prayers. Uh, when they come to worship, they, they, they bow down. So, um, and again, I'm not sort of saying, because they do it, we should do it. But there is a there is a commitment in that that kind of act of worship there. I know when some of you have been to the Corot Lumen um, events that in Chertsey, and they because they believe the the bread of communion is is literally the presence of of Jesus. When they bring the communion bread into the meeting room, everyone bows down on the floor, which at first is a bit weird. <laughs> if you well, for it is for me because. I didn't quite understand what they were bowing to, but we can go into the theology of what the bread is in a different time, but in their understanding, this is Jesus, so what do you do? I said to me, well, what do you do when you're in the presence of Jesus? You bow down? Yeah, bow down. These wise men do. So it challenges me because other people do this and I'm wondering how much I do this. Um, I wonder if we ever bring a, a gift a, a really pre-prepared gift um, in worship. Or, um, or do we just sort of think, oh, goodness, what, I what, what, what can I bring now? Um, there's the verse in Romans that says, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I think that encapsulates what the, these wise men did in a way. It was a spiritual act, but it wasn't just a spiritual act. There was something physical. There was something that they actually offered themselves in fully in bowing down. And so here we have these men. Their journey was to Jesus. The worship of Jesus was their goal. And really that should be ours too. And then in the story they return home. Which intrigued me as well. Admittedly they return home by another way and I remember my old church hearing a great sermon about when we meet Jesus and we encounter Jesus, it changes the way we return. It changes our direction. This is a good message. I'm not going to preach that one because, you know, that's for another time. There's so many so many Christmas messages I always think of now that I'll forget next year and my brain. But um, we'll maybe pick that up on Feastmas. Yeah, we'll but they re- returned home. They were astrologers. I'm guessing they went back to being astrologers. It doesn't say here that they became disciples. They didn't decide, well, here's the king of the Jews. Now we found the meaning of life. Let's just build a little tent or make a tent here in, in, uh, in Bethlehem and, and just watch Jesus grow up because he's the king of the Jews and this is important. I wonder how this encounter with Jesus changed their lives. I don't know. It's an open-ended story. They bow down, they worship. Did they carry on worshipping Jesus? I don't know. And in fact, if you think about it, it was a very physical kind of connected worship that they had. Here is Jesus in the present in the presence, and so we bow down and we worship. But how did they do that when they went home? How did they have any understanding of how they could carry on worshiping Jesus back in Persia, wherever they came from? Did this experience change their lives? forever or was it just a one-off experience maybe they were off to go and see the King of England after this and so maybe it was just another <laughs> tick them off in their logbook of kings that they've seen and here's another one and that was that that was an interesting moment and um, unusual but we move on I don't know we don't know and so again it sort of challenges me I wonder when we talked last week about just things where we, we some of us had Encounters with God's presence, but I wonder how they change us. Do, do we return and in a different way? Does it change our direction in some way? Do we? Does it cause us to worship? Does it cause us to bring an offering? Does it bring transformation of our lifestyle, or do we go back to the same ways? And as you read the Gospels, you see that kind of impact happens to some in one way, and some in others. You know, you've got those. Um, were they lepers, the ten lepers, that were, and they were all healed, but one comes back. And presumably, nine carry on. There's a challenge there. And so, for me, I think, um, what this is speaking is, yes, let's meet with Jesus this, this Christmas time, let us encounter the King, let us bow down and worship Him. But also, let us, let us return a different way um, but the challenge is to know that that experience would, would change and transform our whole life and not just just be a moment. I hope these joy, <laughs> it did change them. I hope they went back and, and told um, their, their, their countrymen what they'd seen and who the, who the king really was. Um, but we don't know. But that's the that's the challenge for us. It's like almost like we're the story's over to you now. We, we we're, in, we're into this story and say, well, what, what are you going to do about this? What, how is this going to transform you? How is this going to change you? Is it going to change? You? So I'm going to take a moment and um, just going to pray. And I've got one last song to sing, which is a song that says, "We bow down." And I just want to. Give you the opportunity to... Now, for some of us, bowing down is actually physically difficult, so I'm not going to... Um, please do not do anything dangerous. <laughs> um, just like well, I was talking to somebody a, a, a week or so ago about fasting, you know, if you're diabetic or something, we then... You know, you've got to take fasting carefully, you know, you, you sort of sense about, about it. But maybe just think of some way where we can physically respond to Jesus. And, and Jesus is here. Okay? He's here as we gather in his name. So, why would we not respond in some kind of physical way and say I'm going to bow down. I'm going to humble my heart. I'm going to bow before you. Maybe I'm going to leave it to you how you would do that. But I I challenge you not to worry about what people might think of you. I think I've talked about this in the past. Oh, I don't know what people would think if I were to do that. um, So I'll leave that to you. But also at the same time, just how does our encounter with Jesus change the rest of because actually we can bow down and then we can walk out nothing changes or we can go a different way and we can live in a different way and I think that's the most important thing let's pray Lord we thank you we thank you for Christmas the story the message I just pray completely blown away that these new age mystics somehow you spoke to them and somehow they knew that they had to come and see you and somehow they did find you and we are just so thankful for the, the, the world around us that that's happening we're just thankful for that's happening in, in Iran and no doubt in other parts of the world where your, your word and the gospel hasn't really been preached at all. So we're grateful for that. But as ones who have seen and ones who have read your words and heard your words, ones who have received your spirit, let us not take these things lightly and let us learn what it is to bow before the King of kings and Lord of lords, the King of the Jews. And For some reason these, these wise men knew that you were important as the King of the Jews and Let us, as we know, and the revelation that we have received, that as King of kings and Lord of lords, you are over all. Let us bow our knees to you. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, change our life. Let the encounter with you be something that brings transformation in us, now and forever. That we would be changed, that we would return another way, but more than just returning, we would return completely transformed. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to do this. Thank you. Amen.